0: Welcome back to Division I Rejects. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo. Episode 130 tonight. Feels like the episodes are just starting to all kind of combine together. But this one's a really great one. Uh, Certainly remember this one for a long time. We've got Pee Wee Jarrett, the quarterback from West Florida, joining us once again tonight, returning guest. And then the leading tackler for West Texas A&M, JT Cavender, their middle linebacker, joins us here later from the Buffaloes. We talk about their live mascot, Buffalo Thunder. That was an awesome conversation with JT. That man is just an awesome dude. Um, If you want to fast forward to those conversations, feel free to check out the chapters, the timestamps, and the YouTube description. Also, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those times will be listed in the description. Otherwise, I'm going to cover some Week 4 game previews, Division 2-wise. we got our first player of the week selections to go over, guys. And then Jimmy Martin, per usual, will join me for some D3 games to look for. Our player of the week selections are actually really fun, so I'm excited to go over those. We had some guys put up some freaking numbers. And personally, I did not realize how difficult it was going to be to actually go through. Picking games of the week is one thing, it's much easier to check the whole landscape. Players of the week is ridiculously hard because, how, you know, what are your criteria? How do you weigh which person outperformed the other when their stats are so similar? Nonetheless, we did it. We're collaborating with uh, Michael over there at the College Football Network. Excited about that stuff. We've got some great games to talk about. A little some different teams. Talk about two. Try to switch it up a little bit. Uh, We'll talk about a little bit. uh, Barton, Mars Hill, Indianapolis, Saginaw Valley, Nebraska, Kearney, and Pitt State. Obviously, Mines and CSU Pueblo have a great game uh, this coming Saturday. So stick around for all those conversations, the D three talk, our guest conversations. Watch this episode on YouTube if you are. Appreciate you. Please hit subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on the socials. Otherwise, you know. It is what it is. Another episode of D1 Rejects. Let's get right into that first guest conversation with Pee Wee. Joining the show tonight, the man who goes by Pee Wee. He's the quarterback for the West Florida Argonauts down in Pensacola. It's Baron Jarrett. What's up, dude?
1: What's up, man? I
0: appreciate y'all having me. Good to get you back, dude. It's been a minute. When was the last time you guys in man- here?
1: I think it wasn't like February, March?
0: It might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Was, yeah, I think it was in the spring. I think, Yeah, I think I just got off um, crutches. That's but, right. Yeah.
0: It was. Yep. For sure, dude. But um, you know, I guess jumping right into it, man. Talk to me about that uh, that Famu game. How about the energy leading up to that one? I know it's a uh, you guys are pretty close proximity wise when it comes to location, right? So talk about uh, the energy leading up to that game.
1: Yeah, I think we like a um, like two hours, two and a half hours away from each other. Okay. Um, it was it was a crazy, crazy atmosphere, and you know, energy leading up to the game. It was definitely you know a hostile event, I would say. Um, I mean, it's. Two team, I think we scrimmaged back in 2020, like, before I got here and everything. So, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah, it was just two really good teams that, you know, got to finally play each other, you know, in-state. First team, we played in-state in a long time. So, uh, just getting the chance to play against them and, you know, go against competition and, you know, see where we're at as a team was, you know, it, it, it was definitely fun. The environment was crazy. Though. It was. I it feel
0: was that, crazy. dude. Yeah, and Coach Anise from Ferris was talking about, because obviously they were at Montana, and he yeah. was like, Besides the fact that it's like, it's a win-win for Ferris because you go in there and lose, it's like, okay, it's an FCS team, but you go in there and win, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, it was an FCS team. Um, Besides that fact, he talked a lot about the atmosphere and why it was important to go and play in those atmospheres because like Ferris, you guys want to prepare yourselves right now for a deep playoff run because you feel like that's where you can be come November, come December, whenever. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel like that live up to kind of those expectations?
1: Yeah, it was definitely, you know, kind of a moment where you kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit. And, you know, you had to see where, you know, as a team, where we were at. And, you know, I feel like we're in a great spot as a team. You know, we went up against, you know, another great team, up the level FCS team. And, you know, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of things and, you know, plays that could have been made and the outcome would have been changed. But, you know, just going into GSC play, you know, you know, a little bit more humbled, you know, after, you know, two wins and then. Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, we were tied up 3-3 at half and didn't come out with the win, but we definitely came out with a lot of lessons learned for sure.
0: I feel that. And that's what I wanted to say, too, is going into half 3-3, I was tuned in. I watched ever since, like, I think it was like halfway through the first quarter I tuned in. So I got Mm -hmm. most of the game that I was was checking out. But, yeah, going into half 3-3, it was like um, both defenses just doing a great job of keeping the other offense out of rhythm, right? Like I feel like you couldn't get to a point where – you got in system, you got to, you know, really start to um, expand and flex the playbook a little bit because you were just trying to make some off air and throws and they were getting in there and getting pressure. But um, how were they doing that? What were they able to do that? Like I said, kept you off rhythm and kept you maybe from, uh, you know, some of those easier kind of uh, pitch and catch.
1: Yeah. You know, they were just, you know, they were bringing some pressure. Um, you know, for the most part, we were, we were picking it up. Um, you know, we just kept finding ourselves and, you know, not a lot of great play calls for third and 12, third and long, you know, so yeah. you know, we kind of were beating ourselves, getting behind the sticks, maybe a, a holding penalty or, you know, just a procedural penalty right uh, then and there that first half. So we never got to, you know, get a good good drive rolling. We had a couple of good kicker turns called back, um, you know, so I wouldn't say the rest were, you know, great, great <laughs> situations, but, you know, they definitely weren't trying to help out a little bit. Uh, but you know our defense was lights out really the whole night. Um, yeah, people see 31 points and they think you know oh they scored a lot. Our defense was was locked down. They just you know we couldn't really keep them off the field for um, you know get get their rest. Our defense get our defense you know some rest. But you know I really it was a great a great game for both sides. You know our special teams did great. You know just got to go back to the drawing board and get ready for USC play now. Yeah, and a lot
0: of that like you said is like positioning, right? When your defense get on the field and they're playing with the short field, um, there's not much they can do in that spot. But up until that point, they let up a field goal basically in your first two games and then they come out still, like you said, scoreboard is deceiving, still had a great performance. A defense is going to cause some problems this year, I think, huh?
1: Yeah, that, um, that D-line is, Dude. I went against them for four weeks and it was not, you know, it was not fun. You know, our line is, you know, our line is great and going against them, you know, our O-line was like, man, this is, it was really like, two great groups going to each other, you know, the whole camp. and That's big. That made our O-line way better. And, you know, our O-line made our D-line way better. You know, they get out there the first three games. You know, I think we had, like, double-digit sacks after two <laughs> games. It was crazy. We have multiple guys with multiple sacks. So, you know, they're just getting home, you know. Really just – they're just – they're aggressive. You know, they just want to get to that ball and kill everything around it.
0: That's exactly what it is, bro. Johnny Mack living in the backfield over there?
1: Man, I ain't gonna lie,
0: that boy gets busy. He do. And the thing, you put him on the outside, you put him inside, and technically, you know, should be undersized to play that inside spot. Um, I don't know what he's playing at now. His weight fluctuated a ton when he was up here, but um, he's so crafty, man. His hand movements, the way he – and his motor is ridiculous. You you take that, you add another transfer, like the guy we've had on here, Dorn, and uh, Mm -hmm. some other great guys in that D-line, dude. That was something coming into the season I was like – because you talk about Coach Mello – um, yeah. from Davenport making his way mm-hmm. down there bringing some of this top tier Gleak talent down to Pensacola dude like you just never know on paper how that shit's gonna turn out but yeah. we've seen it now like that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting exciting stuff dude but three games now into the the coach noble's era I guess if you mm-hmm. call it I think there's I don't know if there's a better way to say that but it's, know, it's what it is it. um yeah if you want to call it that, what have you learned already from this guy who has been quite literally in your shoes and has what seems like a hell of a football brain?
1: Yeah, he, um, you know, he always pushed me to be better, you know, no matter what it is. um, You know, if it was a practice rep or a game rep, he always wants me to, you know, play at the highest level because you never know who's watching. And, you know, there's always ways you can get better. But also just like he, he's, he's easy to, you know, work with, you know, like he, Whatever we're comfortable most as an offense or as a team, you know he wants us to be comfortable at all times. So you know he's really a great players' coach, and he understands because you know he's literally, like you said, been in our shoes recently. So you know for him to just be understanding and you know I feel like that's one way our team just molds well because you know we got a coach who, you know he he's more laid back, but you know if he gotta you know turn it up or not, he can definitely he can definitely turn it up. So you know it's just it's been great to you know play under him. You know I hope we got. You know ten more games, 12 more games you know left to do this all the way to the natty <laughs> I like that dude I like the sound of that that'll be I'm you know I'm just with
0: you I'm excited to, to see that and the great thing about uh football is that you have a chance to redeem yourself this week right flush it you got a great one coming up back at home, first West yep. Georgia they just won a close one over Mississippi college again, don't have to give me the details, but talk about uh this one coming up against the wolves man and the first, I think the last one before they go d one correct
1: yeah, I think yeah, I think they're going D one um twenty twenty four. So it's yeah, I crazy. think if they last like, Yeah, it's, it's crazy. G S C losing a lot of people. So uh-huh. it's crazy how that you know, how that ended up molding together next we year. You might need a
0: little uh little G S C GLIAC merger, man. That'd be I need to do something. Super conference talks. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I yeah. mean, I don't know how much of it is is out there, but Grand Valley supposedly applied to be Division One and and then joined the Mac and got denied, but I would assume they'll be out of here very shortly, but That'd be some yeah. crazy super conference action going on.
1: Yeah, that would be lit though. I ain't gonna lie, it'd be hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But talk about talk about the wolves, man. Talk about West Georgia.
1: Yeah, just rolling in a GSC play. We're rolling in with a you know a top team in a GSC. It's always been a great game. Uh, crazy stat is the home team has never won this game as long as the really? teams. Yeah, last year we went up there and played them, beat them. So you know, just getting a chance to you know hopefully break a break a streak that wants to be broken by both sides. So. Um, you know, just, yeah, just another great team, you know, they get to the ball on defense and offense, you know, they, you know, they're fast and, you know, try to make plays. So it would definitely be a great game. Last year, it was a fun game playing against them. Uh, the score probably don't show like how close it was, but it was, yeah. it was a really good game. game. Uh, it was a really, really good game, especially in the beginning. You know, we played them early in our conference play last year. So, you know, it's, it's a great, you know, game to, you know, see where we're going to shake up in GSE.
0: Yeah, it'd be a good measuring stick for you guys, right? like sure. a really a approve it game, especially coming off last week. But um, yep. the last thing I kind of had for you is obviously coming off last year with mm-hmm. a guy like David Durden, who found his way onto the 53-man in Dallas. Um, yeah. You know, a big question is who's going to be the guy coming into the next year. And now you've got guys like John Giles, Caden Leggett, uh, K.J. Franklin, like those guys all out here making plays. And it seems to be right now a pretty balanced passing attack, Um, not asking you to pick a favorite, but I'm kind of asking you to pick a favorite. Is there a guy that feels like, you know, maybe separating himself head and shoulders to be uh, the the, 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 true number one for you guys down there?
1: No, I really don't think so. Like, really, that whole room is – Good answer. Yeah. (laughs) No, (laughs) but not to see a practice, you would really be like – like, that room is Mm -hmm. just like – each guy does something where it's just like, all right, that's his thing. Like, that's his go-to. And we got got really four to five guys who are really just like – elite at what they do and like you people see our numbers is like oh there's not a guy really with like you know 15 to 20 catches yet and you know they played three games where it's really like each time that dude has touched the ball you know they probably already have a touchdown or they've done something crazy you know with the ball running after the with after the catch so you know that all them guys in the room really have something they great at and you know I feel like our coaches put a, a crazy plan together throughout the week to make sure you know we put them in that opportunity to make the play and you know just really just let those guys just go out there and you know really just do what they do best
0: yeah and they bring some different stuff as far as like physical attributes too you look at John and Caden like bigger targets 6'2 6'3 over 200 pounds guys are gonna have a larger catch radius and then um you know mixing a guy like KJ Franklin who's a smaller about he said 5'10 on the roster so I don't know what he is in real life but uh you know get him out in space get him to be moving around and shifty which has got to be pretty fun to have all those different you know skills
1: for sure. You know, just really, like I said, just let those guys do what they do best and, you know, get the ball in their hands. And it's crazy. Like, you really don't know what might happen. Like, you might have Kaden last week, he caught a hitch and took it in from 20 yards out after making like four guys look crazy. The week before we had John Lily caught uh, a hitch and then turn around, ran to the dude, literally ran him over and scored a, like a 7 yard touchdown. And we had, um, you know, Kobe. Quillen making a lot of crazy plays. KJ just getting the ball in space. You know, we got Zach, you know, Buck. He Really, whenever his number is called, he coming in clutch, you know, making third down catches. So it's really just that whole room is just like, you know, really. So it's a lot of it's a lot of freshmen in there, uh sophomores that are just juniors. It's crazy. Like all them boys yeah. really make Coach D got a room for sure.
0: They got a dude thrown to him too, man. I know you ain't gonna talk about that, but they got a dude thrown to him. Um that's all I got for you, P. I appreciate you, bro. So of course, man. I'll be tuning in this weekend, man. Uh, good luck to you guys heading into conference play, and like you said, gearing up for what should be a, a nice run for y'all.
1: For sure, for sure. Sweet. I appreciate
0: it. See you, brother. <laughs> appreciate Pee-wee coming on, man. Always great to have him back. He's a good dude, good personality, good energy, and a hell of a football player. So excited to see what those guys do this weekend and moving forward um, in the Gulf South. Talk about that super little super conference. GLIAC Gulf South geographically makes zero fucking sense, but man. The football would be electric, too. I think kind of different styles of ball, but a lot of really great teams in those two conferences. But um, anyways, I want to talk about our players of the week selections. Uh, show them right up here and just kind of run through. We had uh, offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the week for Division II, Three, and NAI. First guy right here, Jordan Terrell, man. Barton. We're going to talk about Barton here in a little bit. 26 carries, 256 yards, and two t- uh, touchdowns. Dude balled out. They got a big win behind a lot of his carries. That was the first guy I feel like we had to nominate. Another guy that might have been number two for me, Kyle Sheets from Slippery Rock, had like 200 yards, three tuds um, on a ridiculously low amount of catches. He was averaging like, so many yards per catch. So shout out Kyle. He was definitely my my 1A, 1B um, right there. But I think we give the nod to Jordan this one, the way that he impacted his team and, and picking up a really competitive win um, also with these stats on the ground. Just really impressive. So shout out to him. But moving on to our defensive player, we had Trey on earlier in the week. You talked about his stat line. Oh, my goodness. I almost ran out of room on the graphic. Two interceptions, seventy-seven yard pick six. He had two PBUs, an eighty-eight yard punt return touchdown. He also blocked a point after attempt, returned it for a two-point conversion. Dude was all over the field, craziness. So we had him on. Make sure you listen to last episode if you want to hear him talk about that win for Schroeder. Shorter, not Schroeder. Damn, Shorter University. They've got Delta State this weekend. Should be an exciting one for those guys. Diari Rogers from Lenore Ryan. Five punt returns for the kid, hundred and seventy yards and two tuds. That's enough for special teams player of the week. Big time win for them. I believe they blew out their opponent this last week. That's a squad that is finding seemingly their rhythm at the right time. Division three wise, JJ from Cortland. In a loss to Susquehanna, he had these numbers, five receptions, 250 yards and two tuds. My math, once again, not great. That's 50 yards a pop for number four for the Red Dragons, man. Shout out to him. That is an incredible stat line defensively, Rossi Moore, 11 tackles, 6 tackles for loss, that's a, a single game record for Mount Union, which, again, any record you can have at a program like Mount Union, if you can set a record like that, you know the type of dudes that have come through that program, the excellence, the standard of winning, you set a single game record like that, we're going to throw you on the list, so Rossi, shout out to you, my friend, four of those were sacks, big time plays from the, the Purple Raider there. This one, the stats may be deceiving, Dominic Win, our special team's Player of the Week in D3 for Susquehanna, that same game, two fumble recoveries. Those both ended up being scoring chances for the Riverhawks, a big ch- a reason why they won that game. One of them set up the game-winning score. So you might say, oh, not a lot of stats. The impact that this man had in that game cannot be surmised in a couple letters. So uh, shout-out to him. Big-time players make big-time plays. He did it in a pretty big-time moment. NAI Offensive Player of the Week. This one's on me. It's Jack Perka, not Jake. I apologize. I don't know why I had it written down the wrong way. Jack, Jake. Don't care what his name is. Dude, balled out. 2845, 407, and two tuds, Jack. I apologize. But um, either way, brother, over there at Carroll, this dude was slinging the pigskin around defensively. Damon Burns Mitchell here 10 tackles, two interceptions, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery for University of the Cumberlands. And, uh, Another guy over there from Cumberlands. Again, the stats, maybe not crazy from Jabba Tossian here, but two for three on field goals, five punts. which uh, was about 30-yard average. isn't crazy, but had a lot of those punts uh, within the 20-yard line. So it was his ability to be able to pin the teams uh, and give the offense of the opposing team a super long field is what we felt gave him the edge in this award. But as always, if you guys have players that you think should be nominated for a Player of the Week award, please...
2: Please, like,
0: I'm begging you, please, because it is so hard to cover everything. DM us, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you feel like it. Shoot us an email, division1rejects at gmail.com. I don't care. Contact us somehow. If you got my cell, call it. You know what I mean? Because I can't possibly see all these guys. It's just too difficult. There's too much going on. But I do my best. I want to make sure that we're recognizing guys will definitely be doing that uh, moving forward. Let's talk about some Division Two games, though. Barton at Mars Hill. This is one that, uh, if you saw on our Instagram, actually, I can pull it up, but we did another uh, release of those AI matchups, and Barton and Mars Hill was one of the the matchups that we featured in our, our most recent Instagram post. I'll pull them up here. We can look at those first, actually, because, man, these are so cool. Look at that. It's a fucking gorilla. This is the Nebraska Kearney-Pitt uh, State game. Obviously, the lopers, as in, like, antelopes from Nebraska Kearney, and I've got them, like, set in the jungle because – this game is at Pittsburgh State. Their stadium, yes, is called The Jungle. So what more appropriate than that man right there may as well be Chase, uh, Trace Jeffries. D1R our athlete Trace Jeffries, the offensive lineman for the uh, Pitt State? May as well be him standing right there. That is an imposing dude. Anyways, that was the first one. But, man, these are every week. These are going to be so much fun uh, to work on. Here is uh, Bethel versus St. John's. St. John's is the Red Storm, which I didn't really realize but there you have it bethel's mascot is a lion um a little naia matchup we got midland the vikings there kind of landing ashore and then the mustangs from morningside getting ready to greet those guys and then moving forward here's the one we're going to talk about barton and mars hill the bulldogs i'm always game for a an english bulldog matchup they are in mountain lion territory those things look ferocious they look hungry but bulldog ain't no slouch now Bulldog ain't no slouch. And then our last one was uh, Harden Simmons uh, at Endicott. How do you make seagulls look intimidating, you might ask? You put a shit ton of them on the screen at once. A swarm of seagulls. There you have it. Purple Cowboy trying to fend off the flock. There's your AI-generated picks for the week. But, man, again, once again, if you want to see your team on one of these, shoot me a message, man. I'm always open to, to doing that stuff. But fun stuff. Let's talk about this matchup, though. Barton and Mars Hill. And you look at two teams that have had uh, some pretty solid success this year. Marcel's sitting at uh, 2-0 and right now. They did not have a Week 1 game. And Barton is 3-0 and with their most recent win, a close one, coming over UW, uh, UVA-wise, excuse me, uh, and 28-24. And that would be the game we talked about Jordan Terrell. Their game on the ground right now looks really incredible because, not obviously just because of him, um, but in a big part because of him uh they're looking really good on the ground looking at the the stats here they have 35 first downs rushing compared to 15 passing so maybe not the most balanced offense in the world but that's fine because if it is working you know you don't need to you don't need to change it they have 831 grounds as uh grounds yards on the ground as a team this year that is really impressive through three games Jordan is averaging 200 yards. Uh, per game. He's already got four Tuds on the year. He's averaging about nine yards per carry out of the backfield for the Bulldogs. So I think it's obvious if you're a Mars Hill fan what you need to do to slow down this offense. But uh it's obviously a little more multidimensional than that. They've got some guys who can make plays out on the outside. Uh Jaquan Lynch there at quarterback for them. But um uh, and that's that's the name of the game. I mean you know it's pretty simple to to be honest. If you can shut down that running attack for them, you're gonna be doing all right. Mars Hill Two wins, both against uh, pretty quality opponents. The first one being over Wingate, uh, who we thought potentially was going to be you know, a top 25 team throughout the entire year this year. A lot of hype come around those guys. They pull out that win 15-10 in week two. And then uh, Catawba, 35-20. And this team, is, those are two quality wins for them. And if we look at some of the stats um, for the Lions, the Mountain Lions, which, by the way, is kind of a... What's the difference between a, mount, a mountain lion and a uh, wildcat? Talking about these guys a little bit, man. Uh, J.R. Martin, quarterback for them. And looking at kind of the bigger contributors for these guys, uh, John Gallette out of the backfield is is kind of the one to look at. 156 yards per game right now. Only through two games, I know, but still going to be a force for them. Their defense has certainly stepped up. Holding that wing gate offense to 10 points is something very impressive. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd pick a favorite in that one. Uh, Barton feels to, to be like on a roll right now, so wouldn't be surprised to see either of those guys pull out that game. Another one I want to talk about: number 17, Indianapolis at number four, Saginaw Valley should be a very interesting one. Saginaw Valley coming off a week where, you know, Truman State had their number last week, so don't be surprised if they come out a little pissed off. This next stretch for Saginaw Valley, man, last week they had they were at Truman, then they go Indianapolis, Grand Valley State, Ferris State, Man. That is the gauntlet if you are a cardinal. But 21-7 loss last week for Saginaw. They're going to be super fired up for this one. Indy, 2-0, convincing wins over Hillsdale and Wayne State. They come into this one with a lot of confidence, and rightfully so. They're playing some really good ball right now. Uh, Should be interesting to see how that shakes up. Nebraska Kearney at number three, Pitt State. Pitt State has found their rhythm in some games. Some of them have been a lot more interesting. These last two, you look at Fort Hayes at halftime. They were behind. They trailed. Turned it on in the second half. Central Missouri, 38-37. They just barely eke out that win by one point over the Mules. This one, I'm expecting this to be a little bit closer than people think. Nebraska Kearney, I think, brings a lot to the table, especially offensively, if you pull that up here. They're 1-2 and right now, but certainly don't let that Number dissuade you. They lost a close one by three points at Central Oklahoma in week one. And then uh, just lost most recently to Missouri Southern 13-18. to 18. So their margins are very small on these losses. And I think that's something we're going to see in this Pitt State game. I'm still, I, you know, would certainly feel like Pitt State is going to pull this one out. But I would feel like the Lopers are going to keep this very competitive, especially um, at least in the first half. Let's see here. Um, pulling that up. So definitely don't be surprised by that. Pitt State, though, maybe see them look to come out and be dominant, have a little bit more of a wire-to-wire victory, which has kind of eluded them up until this point. TJ Davis um, for Kearney is a name that a lot of people have heard. We had a lot of hype coming around him uh, for the rushing attack there. He's got 200 yards on the year already. Only averaging 58 per game, though, is something that they are certainly going to – want to get up but in the passing attack is where he gets a lot of his work done and right now he's averaging 200 yards he's got four tuds to two interceptions so turnovers are going to be a key part of this Nebraska Kearney offense can they hold on to the rock can they maintain the rock and if they can do that they're going to be in the game with Pitt State but if they do have those turnovers they do have penalties they shoot themselves in the foot the game could get ugly the game could get very ugly so finally though another game I wanted to talk about Colorado Mines number two in the country right now at CSU Pueblo is this like, is it safe to say like this is the RMAC title game right now? Is that ridiculous to say that? Kind of because CSU Pueblo is one and two, which is really crazy. Um you can certainly make the argument that Western Colorado is is there. But there are two losses at Grand Valley State and Double OT, and then versus Western Colorado, who is a really solid squad. So we'll see. That, you know, between Western Colorado and CSU Pueblo both pushing minds this year to be the potential top dog in the RMAC. Mine's sitting at a crisp 3-0 with huge wins over GVSU and Angelo State. The number three and four teams in the country you've beat. Whew, that's impressive. Dominant win, wire-to-wire win over Adams State last week. And if you look at the... I want you can just peep the box score on this one here. Matoka was 20 for 26 with 341 and 5 tuds. Good Lord. They had a great split in the backfield. They had three backs over 40 yards, uh, five backs with over 30 yards with a lot of different carries, the different guys, Max McLeod, another hundred yard performance from him. I mean, mines has consistent offensive players. And we talked about that defense, absolutely suffocating that front seven. They only got up seven points last week. So we'll see what chance Fuller and the boys over at CSU Pueblo can do. Um, thankfully for them, it is at home. So, Look for that, obviously, to be a competitive game. You get into this league play, there's going to be some things that happen. Still taking minds, Still taking minds. But before we get to Jimmy and the D3 talk, some of the D3 games of the week, let's go over to that conversation with JT Cavender from West Texas (laughs) A&M. Joining the show tonight, reigning All-American linebacker, the current leading tackler for the West Texas A&M Buffaloes, a man who closely resembles the mascot his school represents, JT Cavender. What's up, dude?
2: (laughs) What's going on, brother? (laughs) Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Of course. What do you think about that statement? You feel like you're a buff guy, huh?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm definitely, uh, you know, definitely part of the Buffaloes. There's no doubt about that. (laughs) Are you
0: guys going to ever lean into that, man, and like all roll up pregame, like wearing a couple pairs of buffs on your face? Or when's that going to happen?
2: Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we actually run out behind a Buffalo, a live Buffalo. You're uh shitting. every game. Like Colorado? No. Yeah, like Colorado. We like uh I think theirs is Ralphie. Ours is named Thunder. No. So it's the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why did I not
0: know that? That's electric. Oh,
2: yeah, it's cool. And sometimes Damn. the uh the herdsmen that that run with it, sometimes they'll uh they'll actually get dragged by it. It's it's kind of <laughs> crazy. Yeah. How big is this thing? Oh, I think it weighs eight hundred pounds. I mean, close what? to a thousand. Oh, it's <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. And it's still, it's still in its like second year. I mean, it hasn't been alive. I think, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I think it's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool What's the
0: training like to become one of the handlers, like for those guys that bring it out and, you know, manage that.
2: Well, I think they do training on their own. um, But we also do run throughs before game days and we try to get it acclimated to all the noise and, and us screaming behind it. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're out there doing that with us and doing some pre practice runs. It's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> is that one of those things where you've got like, I know a lot of teams that practice will get speakers and do like crowd noise and other things. Like, is what you guys yeah. pump it all in there?
2: It's exactly like that. Yeah, we play the music on the speakers uh, over the stadium, and uh, then we're behind it screaming as loud as we can. <laughs> Dude, that's badass. I gotta, yeah. Oh. I'm definitely yeah, we ripping. got some guys that are they're scared of it. You know, they will not yeah. get in front of that thing. It's they will not pounds. look at it in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, me? that thing, you get in front of it, it's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pretty oh, cool. I'm definitely <laughs> ripping a clip of that. I got to I gotta find that, dude. That's awesome. But, um, man, that's yeah, not dude. the only <laughs> exciting thing about the start of the year for you guys. Now, obviously, week one, tough loss on the road against – Um, What we're finding out is a really quality Western Colorado team uh, with a big win over CSU Pueblo last week. But you've bounced back, like you said, before we started recording, man, an open league play with the dub over Midwestern State. Um, Tell me about the start of the year. And like you said, you're pretty proud of these guys for bouncing back in the fashion that they did.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we played we played okay defensively in the Western Colorado game. Um, Obviously, through the third quarter, we held them to 14 points didn't really start off like we wanted to uh, we let them get a, a opening drive touchdown which was kind of demoralizing um but after that we uh, we stopped them a couple times and then they there's a sudden change we threw a pick and they ended up scoring again um but we held them 14 points until the fourth quarter and uh I, I really I really knew that we were on the cusp of something great but we just didn't get to tap into it that game and so Um, you know, after that game, we came back to work and we had the best week of practice we've had. Um, and, and I guess since fall camp and, uh, we came out and beat Midwestern state 23 to zero and held them, you know, gave them a goose egg. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice, dude. I know it's it's early too, you know, only three
0: weeks into the year, but number one defense in the Lone Star right now, like I said, that will matter more after week 11 (laughs) or whatever it is, but for now to know that you guys, like you said, have already come a long way and are already... Performing at that level's got to be—that's got to be pretty sick, man. It's got to feel nice.
2: Oh yeah, we're on the cusp of something great. If we keep practicing like we do and we keep doing our one-elevens, what we call it—you know, everybody does their job—we'll be just fine. We'll be—we'll be, we'll be able to say we're one of the best defenses, and pro- I hope the nation. You know, that's oh, yeah. what we're—that's what we're rooting for.
0: I like so. it. dude. Where do you feel like this defense? You know, has I guess if you could, you know, try and name an area, like where do you feel like you've come a long way or you've grown in a certain area where in the past maybe you might have
2: struggled. Yeah, well, I think – so we've got a new coaching staff um, okay. this past spring. And, yeah, so we've had them for, you know, uh, this up- upcoming um, Christmas will be about a year since we've had them. Gotcha. And uh, I, I think just the main thing with this defense and the way that we've really grown um, is through just our confidence and being able to know uh, that I can do this on this play or, you know, just, just understanding our calls and understanding – what the the DBs are doing and what the D line are doing, linebackers are doing, and so it's just really been our confidence.
0: Yeah, that's big time, dude. And like assignment based football, if you know where you got to be, you can play fucking fast, and you can fly around, yeah. and you can make plays. And that's like, <laughs> especially a dude at your position over here yeah. with the. Oh, you got a cowboy collar? The roll going? What do you got going on under those shoulder pads,
2: dude? Dude, I, I used to have the cowboy collar. I actually took it off because no, I felt bro. like I am dude. I know I loved it and uh, I had nothing against it, but I couldn't, I couldn't look, I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't react. (laughs) So I had to take that bad boy off, you know?
0: (laughs) Vander out there in the middle of the field, man, don't catch him lacking. But um, yeah, I mean, for a guy in your position to be able to just see ball, get ball. Like at the end of the day, yes, it's, there's a lot of assignments. There's a lot of scheme and things that go into football, but When you're on that side of the ball, man, you have to get to the ball carrier. You got to make a play. So I I feel you on there. But um, coming up this week, should be a good challenge for you guys uh, at UTPB, an an offense that is averaging 70 points per game, albeit against, (laughs) you know, you and I know probably not the best competition in the world, but they still, to put up those numbers, you still have to have a pretty competent offense. You guys definitely going to have some things to look out for. Talk about that matchup, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely explosive. And, you know, the guy that makes that offense go is their quarterback. He he likes to get out of the pocket and throw. And uh, he he really extends plays, and it really makes it hard for the coverage, um, you know, to stay with the receivers. But, yeah, I, I you know, after watching their games, I mean, they are explosive. And it's going to be the best test of the year for us so far and uh, we are it's something we're really looking forward to because we really want to be tested, and uh, we really want to know how great we can be. And so this is the first step to determining that. No, so, yeah, we're totally. dotted.
0: Mm-hmm. And you look at that offense as far as their rushing attack goes. They've got three guys that split the workload relatively evenly. How does that change right. how you maybe approach a matchup where you can't exactly key in on one player who you know is going to get X amount of touches? It could be any of the three.
2: Yeah, well, you know, defensively, you're trying to you're trying to find tendencies, and when you got one guy in that's getting most of the carries, you know his tendencies. But mm-hmm. with three running backs, there's three different tendencies, and so, um, and they kind of change them up every play. They're not all the same, and so it gets a little bit challenging when you look at that kind of uh, aspect of it.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. And you had already mentioned that quarterback, Kenny, over there. He's been dealing, you said it yourself, extending plays with his legs, getting kind of those, uh, I think that's where a lot of their explosive plays have come from, where you get into that scramble drill. All of a sudden, people are moving all over the place, a lot of moving parts. But um, as far as their wide yeah. receiver room goes, I noticed they have a really good blend of uh, some smaller, shiftier wideouts. And they also have a couple guys who are maybe over six foot, got 200-plus pounds on them, and are going to be some bigger targets. So I feel like – that's probably going to be one of the bigger challenges for you guys because they should be, you know, in on paper, in the stat book, pretty balanced offensively, right?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, They definitely try to run the ball as much as they can, and they also try to pass it as much as they can. You know, they try to run a balanced offense. And like you said, uh, they have a great great rushing attack with three running backs that kind of split the load. But then the receivers are just as good, and uh, they – they help your quarter. They help out Kenny with getting open and um, knowing that he's probably going to scramble. And so they they don't ever quit on the play. And and that's what really makes them good. And what we really have to strive to to kind of contain is the receivers and the quarterback. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's going to be pretty pretty balanced. It's going to be interesting.
0: For sure. I feel like I know the answer to this. But are you more of a run them down, hawk this guy, or meet me in the a gap? Type of dude,
2: <laughs> yeah, most definitely meet me in the A gap. <laughs> yeah, yeah brother. There's no doubt it. about that. You can take <laughs> the
0: cowboy collar away from the kid, but you can't take the A gap away, brother.
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, I always get made fun of that because I got you know I dislocated my elbow last season, and so okay. I've got a big arm brace on now, and I used to have that cowboy collar, and yeah. so everybody was you know <laughs> my coach. She jokes and says that. If you look up the definition of a linebacker in the dictionary, you're going to see JT Kavanagh's picture right there. Yeah,
0: that <laughs> and awesome, if you look up Robocop, you might pop up on that bitch too with all the different shit you got going <laughs> on. You got the whole like J.J. Watt yeah. deal where they got the uh, thing on the arm. Are you wearing like, I know some of the guys get like a
2: modified knee brace for the arms. Also, so yeah, so my uh my elbow brace that came in in the spring was actually too small for me, yep. and so they ended up fitting me with a knee brace, That's and I crazy. felt like I was Tyron Smith, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was too big for my elbow brace, man. But yeah, they ended up sending a bigger one, That's <laughs> but sick, it was dude. cool. It made me feel good for a minute. I <laughs> yeah. love, it, bro. I love
0: it, man. Hey, hey JT, yeah. that's all I got for you, brother. I appreciate you a ton, man. I'm excited to to keep tuning into you, boys, uh, as you know, as you continue going on the season because you got it. Still a ton of really big marquee matchups. I mean, you talk about national standings wise, looking down um, Kingsville coming up, yeah. they sneaked into the top 25 or snuck, I guess, and then um, more, even more so down the road, Angelo State, and even in between those matchups, there's going to be some great tests for you guys. So I'm excited to, to keep tuning in, man.
2: Yeah, oh, no, I appreciate it. You're right. It's a great conference, and we're looking forward to each week and uh, each game that we get to play. So uh, thank you for, you know, letting me be on here. I appreciate the opportunity. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, it was great to meet you uh, over there in Baltimore. I'm excited to just make those type of connections, and now I feel like I get to watch the game and, like, like fuck, yeah, I know that dude. Like, he made a play. Get me
2: excited, man. So I'm, I'm definitely pumped for y'all. <laughs> No, you're right, dude. I, I still can't believe I met you in Baltimore. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a pretty cool deal. It is. So, it is, yeah, but- man, I uh, when you hit me up, I was like, man, I got to do this. You know, I think this is this is really cool. I'm making connections, you know, all the way in Baltimore City. And uh, now I get to go and, and use those connections and, you know, my career and your career. So I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you, JT. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Of
0: course, dude. Thank you. Appreciate JT coming on. We'll come back now. Switch over D three side of things. Jim, by the way, did you know that uh, West Texas A and M uh, has a real buffalo they run out to just like Colorado? That is awesome. Dude, that's awesome. Like, Simply put,
3: that's awesome. He says eight hundred pounds. Yeah, that's, so that's a big that's a big animal right there. I'll tell you
0: what. <laughs> <laughs> that's so badass. Uh, but. Yeah, let's talk some let's talk some D three games this week. I know you want to start with your your kind of your marquee matchup today. Is that what you're feeling?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let's so uh, St. John's cracking back into the D one R game of the week and uh, deservingly so. This is their third ranked opponent this year. Uh, Bethel heads to St. John's. Uh, this is a huge one for the Mayak. Obviously, both keep, both teams coming in with a loss already and with a loss this week, you can see those playoff hopes kind of start dwindling. You know, going a little bit downhill. Uh, obviously, St. John's coming off a bye week, pretty sour taste in their mouth after a 28-point loss to Whitewater, which they were winning that game in the third quarter and obviously kind of fell apart a little bit. So they'll be looking to bounce back for sure against a conference rival and a very formidable conference conference opponent, um, Bethel, coming off a 24-0 victory at University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Yep. Alex called for Bethel had a nice game last week, 334 yards through the air and two touchdowns. Ooh. I'll look for them to kind of air it out, I would say, you know, with a quarterback like that. Um, actually, I was watching the, the game film, actually, because we have Eau uh, film, obviously. And uh, the running back was making some nice, some nice runs as well. Um, he had like 65 yards. I believe he had a pretty solid game himself.
0: Pretty balanced attack over there for, yeah, for the Royals. Yeah. Did you
3: see the, you see the
0: AI one of this game on the, uh, on the yeah. surface? So yeah, I didn't dude, realize.
3: Those AI, Dude, that's probably the coolest thing we've posted. Our <laughs> pages, like I, I'm blown away every time. I know it's like AI or whatever, but you yeah. still have something to do with that. Obviously, like that's yes. cool.
0: Yeah, the Pitt State one, do with that gorilla standing there. That is that one was so sick. Yeah, love
2: that. That was badass.
0: And, but, I, and I already know it.
3: you love doing that mascots that are bulldogs. You know? Oh it's, yes, yes. Honestly, for in my head, right, I'm thinking, like, did Kobe just Photoshop Sarge into those
0: pictures? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. No. It's so – it's it's crazy. But um, I didn't realize looking at – because I try and do the mascots. And looking at St. John's, obviously, it's like their handles are always like Johnny football, like that those type of things, like the Johnnies. But they're – I guess like the Red Storm, technically, and their mascot is the Thunderbird. So I, I just – I didn't know all this stuff. So how do you kind of put that into it? So I've got this, like, tornado yeah. and lightning was kind of like the best way for me to – represent yeah. that so i don't know yeah, I, that, was, be, that was interesting i didn't know that but yeah those guys yeah. i would agree with you i think kind of a bounce back and a get back week for them uh similar to i don't think we'll talk about them but like a umhb like the first time they're O and three in program history we'll have to look i'm not i don't remember off the top of my head who they have this week uh they have they're not, they're not ranked
3: anymore either, so. no they
0: are number 23 yeah. in they the d3football.com poll they're number 23 I was looking
3: at oh. I was looking at it. Diff- I must have seen a different one because I saw in one of them at least. Maybe it was the AFCA. Maybe. Yeah, there's a couple of different ones, but I guess the D3 football still has them ranked. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, so obviously they've already come good teams. So
0: I would hate to be McMurray this week. Coming into town for them, dude, they're gonna be so hungry to get that win. So uh, either way, definitely expect them to have a, a huge bounce back. But tell me about uh,
3: Augustana and, and Wheaton. So this is a huge CCIW matchup. uh, uh between these two undefeated teams. Uh, This was – there was a couple games this week that could have been the D1R game of the week. This was one of them. Um, There's some really, really tough decisions for me to make this week. Um, Kobe, do you want to take a guess, just a wild guess, how many points a game Augustana is averaging this year? Through how many, what, three games? Two games. Two games. Two games. 45. 61. (laughs) 61 points a game. Against – who did they play? um have to I'll, I'll find it i'll they find scored, it. one of the games they scored 74 jesus 74 points uh yeah you may have to look who they were, who they played in that one but uh, i just kind of looked through their schedule saw some scores and i couldn't even, i could not believe my eyes when i saw 74 points uh there's been a couple of games like that in division three where uh, i know platteville scored 80 against lakeland um there was like yeah, a 9-8-0 so game, too. I don't know if you saw that one. I forgot. Yeah, it, it was, was at was Simpson games. and then
0: home versus Elmhurst were the two, the two yeah, wins for that. That sounds
3: right. That's That sounds right. Yeah, the uh, the Blue Jays had a tough game against uh, yeah against the Vikings. But uh, meanwhile, Whedon has a few signature wins of their own, taking down number 22, Wisconsin Oshkosh, I believe that was two weeks ago. And they also took down their conference opponent, Illinois Wesleyan. You always want to win your first conference game, and they, they did that. 47-16. Over the Titans, yeah. So they uh, they they took that one and just ran with it. Uh, you know, Wheaton's just a perennial powerhouse. The Thunder, uh, they expect big things from them all year. I mean, they'll they'll make a push to win the CCIW. I mean, if if anyone's going to do it besides North Central, it's going to be Wheaton.
0: Yeah. So and that front seven for them has looked incredible. Looking at the box score from last game, two hundred and eighty-four yards on the ground for the Thunder compared to fifty of their opponent, that is domination of the line of scrimmage. And if they can do that, you know, you can play. I don't care who you put on the schedule. You're going to be in the game. If you dominate the line of scrimmage the way they were, the passing yardage numbers, uh, very similar, kind of across the board. But it looks like they were able to seriously get in the backfield, disrupt plays, a lot of tackles for loss, a couple sacks in there. Um, Again, if you're able to do that, that is a surefire way to keep yourself in any game. Looking at, I wanted to find two here. I'm assuming the time possession had to be pretty uh lopsided as well and it was thirty-six minutes to twenty-three. That tells you all you need to know about that one, dude.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this games are one lost up front. Uh especially I I would say I would have to look at this percentage, but when you outrun a team and you have more time possession, you gotta be winning that game eight out of ten times minimum. Yeah. I mean I'll have to look what the number is on that, but I mean come on, dude. If you if you control the line of scrimmage and you run the ball, it's gonna wear on a defense. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely, so, dude. But yeah, tell me a little bit about this uh, Carnegie and uh, Grove City game.
3: This is our first President's Conference game on the Division I region. Uh, this one caught my eye for sure. Two three and 3-0 teams looking to go 4-0. and o. Number 14, Carnegie Mellon heads to Grove City. And uh, like, like another, another game where it was really hard to not make this the game of the week. Um, I just, I had to go with the top 25 matchup. However, uh, Carnegie Mellon, has only allowed 10 points through three games, including two shutouts. Man. So if you want to do the math on that, that's (laughs) 3.333 points a game. Um, It's just stunning defensive effort all year for Carnegie Mellon. I expect nothing less out of them this week. I expect a low scoring affair, but Grove City on the other hand, they average 29 points a game, so they can fill up the scoreboard. Uh, They know how to get in the end zone. So this is another, is this good offense going to keep it rolling or is the defense going to stonewall them? We're going to have to find out. But uh, two and 3-0 teams looking to take sole possession of the conference, I, this is a big one. Huge yeah, I think it's a big
0: prove-it game for Carnegie. Not that they're 3-0, and you could argue how much they have to prove, but looking at their strength of schedule through the first three weeks with Geneva, St. Vincent, and Waynesburg, um, just squads that, again, just about everyone who probably predicted schedules at the beginning of the year probably predicted Carnegie would go 3-0 and through those games. Now it's, you know, as you start to get into some more of this conference play, it's, Let's do it against a team that maybe we aren't expected to you know, go out and have that same result. So it sounds weird to say it, but prove-it game for the uh, the Tartans over there.
3: Yeah, and it's a prove-it game for Grove City as well. And I'm sure a lot of people are just overlooking them, like, I'm Grove City, they're going to play – You know, like, are they going to take down Carnegie Mellon? Are they going to give them a good game? I think they will, personally, um, especially being at home against a ranked team. They're going to be bringing the juice all day. For sure. All day.
0: With you on that, dude. But, yeah, bring us bring us to the next one.
3: Uh, this is a huge, huge OAC conference matchup, uh, just a heavyweight battle, two 3-0 you know, teams. Is Mount Union on upset watch? I mean, this could be like a game that kind of like kind of slowly walk into, um, a skin gum, you know, good program, 3-0. Oh. Um, but Mount Union is Mount Union and they're the Purple Raiders and they're going to come in there. And I think they're going to have a very, very effective game being that their defense is only allowed three points a game. Yeah. Uh, just defense all over the D1R slate this week, but Mount Union three points a game. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's sure. just absurd. And then you know, this is a tough one for me because this is another one could have been could have been a D1R game of the week, but I just, I had to go with the St. John's Buffalo game personally. Yeah, but,
1: I
0: hear you. Uh, and looking at these OAC standings from last year, I know I talked a little bit about this before, but. This has been Mount Union's conference. You have to go back to like 2015 to get another name who has, has actually won this conference, even though respectively, like John Carroll and Baldwin Wallace have put together some really quality years, like in very recent history. We saw John Carroll, the Blue Streaks absolutely trounced Baldwin Wallace just last week. So look for them to definitely make a push in this conference. But I'm looking at the 2022 standings right now, Jimmy. Muskingum, not you, they were the fifth in the conference, sitting at four and five. So for them to start out hot this year, start rolling with that momentum. Not to say they're going to go in there and steamroll Union, but maybe they do make a push, if not for that one spot, for the two or three and kind of usurp, you know, a John Carroll or a Baldwin Wallace from those spots that feels like haven't moved around in quite some time.
3: Well, you know what they say, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And they have an opportunity to do that this week Amen. against one of the best programs in all Division III, So Amen, dude. Yeah.
0: Anything else that uh, kind of caught your eye this week?
3: Um, I will say this. Uh Last week, the Blue Devils took on the Gustavus Adolphus Gusties. Yep. Uh, Jack Breitenbach, the wide receiver. Yes, back-to-back games with 200 plus receiving yards. Damn. He had a he had a nice game against us. We we took the victory last week, Roll Devils. But you got to give credit where credit is due. This kid's an incredible player. He's making plays all day. Um, look for him to continue to roll. With he's now leading the country in receiving yards. Are you serious? Yeah, 400. He's got like 400 like. 90 something i want to say wow yeah yeah yeah
0: another one i had kind of highlighted on here if we're talking oac especially number 17 john carroll at heidelberg which is another one of those squads in the oac um they had a kid and i'm totally blanking on his name now they had a kid last week with three interceptions that was potentially going to be our defensive uh player of the week there but then Rossi moore came in and and took that spot over but big oac matchup there for I think a very similar situation that we just talked about, a team like John Carroll who has seemingly found their stroke. uh, They look really solid, but Heidelberg has put together a couple quality seasons. Their defense feels really staunchy right now and not going to let up a ton of points. So that could be interesting. It's at home for Heidelberg, so look for them to keep that one very competitive. But otherwise, nothing exactly that jumps out. Number five, Harden Simmons at Endicott. Endicott's a team that, that when they scheduled this game, I think they kind of raised a lot of eyebrows because this is one that uh, Endicott being up in like the East Coast area, it's like an, in New England ish area, for them to make that kind of scheduling decision with a Texas team from the uh, the ASC, right? Like that's that's pretty crazy stuff. And they also have a really good squad up there. I believe they sit at, i trying to pull up their schedule right now, but it's just giving me a lot of the, Are they the
3: Northeast Athletic Conference? Is that the NIAC? I'm not sure. I know there's a couple New England conferences.
0: Looking um, at uh, at their schedule though, they're two and one right now. They're one loss coming to number 18 Ithaca. was a three point loss. Um, that is that's a tough one for them. But they're they're gonna be a really they're gonna be a really solid squad this year. And the rest of their conference, admittedly, not the best strength of schedule. So this Harden Simmons game, they schedule these kind of games because if you can pick up a win in that environment. If you already have a loss or two on the schedule, this is something that's going to help you get into the playoffs, especially in the D3 level. you need those kind of playoff points. So excited to see what the Cowboys do going uh, taking them on in uh, at Endicott's home turf over there so it's that's a long trip man. It's a long trip.
3: yeah yeah absolutely I mean anytime you gotta go from Texas to whatever it is like New York or Connecticut or something I mean I, I, I would hope they're flying I hope. <laughs> right. You never, um, know, yeah. bro. I mean, I, I
0: think
3: that's a safe assumption to make. I would say.
0: Yeah, you, I, you literally never know, man. I w- you would hope so, but there's a lot yeah. of shit that goes on, and some of these guys are just stuck out in the dry, man. Yeah. But yeah, man. I think we, I think we covered most of the, most of the bigger, more notable matchups, dude.
3: And now there's a not really a huge matchup, but a very big rivalry week. Uh, Loris versus Dubuque is a huge, huge, okay. huge. Uh, rivalry uh, obviously not those teams are not really doing too hot but that's something i definitely wanted to mention because i know one of my buddies john kreidler as a loris duhawk he actually just graduated and he was always like telling me like dude dude you got to cover loris versus to you have to i'm like all right man (laughs) like i'll I'll mention it for you i'll mention it
2: for you
3: i love it dude yeah yeah loris versus big there it is okay interesting
0: yeah -hmm. no i haven't i haven't heard do you know anything about that uh that rivalry over there
3: uh there's in-state rivalry, they've been playing. They probably matched up like 25 times, I want to say. I think I looked at that earlier. Uh, it was actually 21 matchups. 21 matches. I remember looking at it earlier. But uh, kind of a newer rivalry. Newer the Key rivalry. City
0: Champions. It's called the yeah. Key City Clash. It began in 2008.
3: Yep. Um, hmm. Maybe the Key City Classic began in 2008. But they played longer than 2008. Okay. I want to see that. Yeah. But, I mean, that must have been when they started the uh, trophy or whatever it is.
0: No, it definitely was, because this, this record goes all the way back to uh, 1909.
3: Hmm, interesting.
0: Yeah, so it says the official Key City Clash began in 2008. But this, God, is obviously gone. this has obviously gone on for much longer. Now, uh, looking at the winner of this, dude, the last 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games have gone to the Spartans. So... Loris has been coming out on top of this one for quite some time. We'll see if that yeah. changes. Uh the scores too have been very competitive. They won in overtime in 2022, uh, 17 to 14 in 21, 37 31 in 2019, 49 42, 27 24, like every single time. But they're pulling out the victory every time. But it's like the yeah. margins are ridiculously small. So that, that makes for a great, it's a great rivalry game.
3: Yeah, uh, when I hear that number, whatever whatever it was eleven games in a row, close games, I think of one other uh, yeah. in-state rivalry. Oh, dude, it makes me sick. It makes me. Sick. <laughs> I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna say it. I'm not even gonna say it. But we all know that. Uh, there are some very big rivalries that have been a little lopsided, but it does not mean yeah. it's not a huge rivalry. It
0: doesn't distinguish the yeah. rivalry. Tech's off to a hot start this year, too. They look good, man. Ugh. They've got another matchup yeah. at uh, Upper mm-hmm. Iowa. I don't know if they're – I think they're traveling on their home, but they have Upper Iowa this week, and I think that'll be another convincing win for them. Hanging to Gliak play, they should be 3-0. and So, yeah. we'll see. And, they, they, and had they had they a tough – They beat a really
3: good Platteville team last I was going
0: to say, they barely pulled that one out down at yeah. Platteville. I was a surprise, they made that trip mm-hmm. down there.
3: Yeah, yeah, I shot JT text after the game. He was hyped. He was I really excited. And that's, that, was, that that's was big for spot. us too. That was big for us too. You know, because we're we took a loss earlier. And anytime someone in the Wyack loses, that's good for the Devils. You know.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Jim, playing on their downfall. I love it. But sweet dude, <laughs> I appreciate you. I think we covered all the all the meat and potatoes for this week, man.
3: I believe we did. Sweet.
0: I believe we did. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate you, man. Hi. Thanks for coming on our episode. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Kobe. Cool. Take care.